Love, joy, peace, patience. I think peace and patience are interrelated because if you don't have peace, it's very hard to be patient. If you have peace and you're content with this moment, then patience comes pretty easy. So if we can have peace, then patience will naturally flow. So how do we grab hold of this peace? How do we have peace and patience? Now, has anyone had a challenging experience with trying to walk in an abiding peace? That trying to grab hold of peace has been a challenge. To live a life of peace. That can be a hard thing to do. So if we just read the list, love, joy, peace, patience, okay, go do that. See you later. If you don't do it, you're a bad person. Is that going to be helpful? Not at all. We need to learn how to grab hold of the Spirit of God so that we can grow in the fruits of the Spirit and we can actually have peace. And here's the thing. Life experiences can destroy our capacity to have peace. We can go through things that then cause us to not be able to calm back down. People can have PTSD. They can be in such a difficult circumstance because of the experiences that they've had in the past. I want to validate that. You know, we don't just read and then bloop, everything happens, right? I mean, love, joy, peace, patience. Okay, bloop. It's a battle. It's a struggle. It can be something that's difficult to get to. And I want to validate the fact that life experiences, the things that we've been through, the hardships that we've seen, the evils that we've seen done to other people and that we've experienced ourselves, and even the things that we've done that create guilt and shame are things that rob us of our peace. And we need to acknowledge that and validate that. But let me tell you this, there is hope in Christ to live in peace. Amen? We can get to the place where we receive of God's peace. And so, in order to do that, I want us to look at the life of Peter the Apostle. We're going to look at a particular section of his life from the Last Supper till uh, basically the day of Pentecost. If you know what was going on at the Last Supper, here's the story. Jesus had been teaching his disciples for about three years. They've been spending every day together, and he's teaching them things both by example and directly through teaching. They're working with the masses, this sort of thing. Jesus knows it's time for him to go to the cross. His disciples do not understand that, though. And so at this point, it's the Last Supper. Jesus is there with just the 12. Judas leaves because he's going to go betray him. And then Jesus is there with the 11. And he's trying to help them get ready for this experience of Jesus being arrested and tried and scourged and crucified and have him die. And this is going to be hard on them because they're not really understanding what's going to happen. Jesus has told them, but they thought he was, you know, speaking a parable or some sort of figurative thing, but it was a straightforward thing that he was saying. So they didn't really see what was happening. And here is just a little bit of what Jesus said to his disciples, to the 11, because again, Judas was gone at the last supper. John 14, starting in verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus imparts his peace on the 11. And he says, have peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. The contrast between peace and trouble, peace and fear. He says, I give you my peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Peter is there in the group. It's a small group. Jesus imparts his peace on Peter and the other 10 disciples that are there. How do you think that went? So Peter received the peace of God and everything was fine. (laughs) That's not how it went. Let's look at the story. We'll pick it up in Luke chapter 22. So we see now they've finished the Last Supper. They're going to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is going to pray because he knows what's coming and the others don't fully understand. So here's where we pick it up. Luke 22 verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He's telling them to pray. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So here Jesus is talking about going to the cross. He's saying, Father, take this cup from me. If you can do all things, if you can figure out how to make this work without me going to the cross, go ahead and make that happen because that would be awesome. However, whatever your will is, I'm good with. So Jesus was submitted to God and he's praying And he's trying to get to that place where he can walk through this trial and stand obedient to God. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So an angel is there strengthening him. He's crying out to God and he knows what he's about to go through. He's in anguish. He's praying so earnestly that his sweat is like drops of blood. This, to me, it seems like he's trying to hold on to his own peace. He's in anguish. This isn't a picture of peace when your sweat is like drops of blood. Jesus knew that he was going to go through a very difficult physical hardship, but I also believe an even worse spiritual hardship. Because he was not just going to be scourged and crucified, but he was going to have the sins of the world put on him, and he was going to be looked away from by his Father in heaven and be separated in a way that he had never experienced before. He knew what was going to happen, and he would become the sin of the world, and he would pay the price. And so he's needing strength to be able to face that. He prays and he's trying to grab hold of it and he gets it. He gets the strength to overcome and to walk through this. You know, Jesus was no victim. He was more than a conqueror. He walked through that in victory. He embraced the cross and he went into it with strength. He was no victim. He could have called down legions of angels and been rescued at any time and he didn't. He walked through it knowing he could get out of it at any time. He embraced that moment. He had the strength to do it. What about the rest of the disciples? Verse 45. When he rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples. He found them asleep. So how are they doing in there seeking God for strength? They're asleep. They were exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So here we see again, he's saying, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I had a a pastor friend ask me one time, why do you think Jesus had his disciples pray? It's not like anything was going to change. 
You know, this, if God's plan was for Jesus to go to the cross, that's all going to happen. What are they praying for? Well, nothing was going to change except how they handled the moment. It was the only thing that would change. Jesus prayed and he was able to handle the moment in victory, in strength. The disciples fell asleep and they didn't have the same experience. Verse 47, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up. So they don't have time to pray now. The moment is upon them. A crowd came up. The man who was called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? So earlier Jesus had said, go get some swords. And they said, we've got two. And Jesus said, that's plenty. Are you going to conquer the Roman Empire with two swords? No. Peter, however, was pretty sure they could. (laughs) Because they got the Messiah. You know, like they got the Son of God. Two swords is all we need. So Jesus clearly had them get some swords, I believe, so that they could escape. Not so that they could start hitting people with swords, but, you know, a little covering fire. You know, they're going to back away with a couple swords flash and they run. Lord, should we strike with our swords? Peter does not wait. One of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. So we know from other areas, this is Peter. He strikes the the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. If you hit somebody with a sword and you cut off their ear, what are you actually intending to do? Not cut off their ear. You're trying to split his head open. He was ready to go to war. Peter was ready to die in battle with a sword in his hand. They had two. He had one of them. He's ready to go. But this wasn't God's plan. And this really throws Peter off. Have you ever known what God was going to do? This is how it's going to turn out. And this is going to be great. And God's going to show everybody. And you're ready to step into it. And then all of a sudden, bloop, it all changes. And now it's not happening that way. And I don't know what, what's going on. And what, 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 what? And the plan of God isn't what you thought it was. And now you're thrown off. And you're just unsure and confused. This is what happens to Peter. Verse 51. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed them. So he stops Peter from fighting. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest and Peter followed at a distance. So Peter doesn't have the sword anymore and Jesus just gave himself up. He's thinking, what? But he follows He doesn't run, he follows. But he's keeping his distance, trying to stay safe. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, so it's dark now, it's the middle of the night, they've got a fire going. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. This man was with Jesus. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. So... Less than 12 hours ago, Jesus is imparting his peace on Peter. A few hours ago, he's swinging a sword ready to die. Now he's denying the Lord. He doesn't know what's going on, but he he doesn't want his cover blown. He wants to be there and see what's going on, but he's not sure what to do. And so he's like, look, I'm not with Jesus. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. 
Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. We see in other areas, other sections of scripture that Peter called down curses on himself. He swore that he didn't know Jesus. He had nothing to do with him. And then a rooster crows and verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. So somehow they're maybe a a few hundred yards apart, but they catch eyes. And Peter's like, oh no, I've denied the Lord and he saw me do it. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Again, less than 12 hours ago, Jesus has imparted his peace, not as the world gives, on Peter. He's running scared. He's denying the Lord. He realizes what's happened. He's weeping bitterly. How is this going? If this can happen to Peter, might this happen to us? Might we be thinking we've got it all figured out and this is all going to work out great and and God's going to do a great thing and oh man, and then all of a sudden you're on a different road that you didn't expect and you're thrown off and confused and, and unsure and the peace is gone. How do we grab hold of this peace if even Peter, who has had the peace of Christ personally imparted on him can have this much difficulty in less than 12 hours, how can we get there? Let me tell you, this wasn't the end of the story. This isn't it for Peter, and it's not it for us either. I see three things that Peter did in order to be able to grab hold of this peace of God, which is a fruit of the Spirit, something that happens over time, and Peter had to continue on in order to grab hold of it. Three steps. For Peter to regain God's peace. Step number one. Peter is reinstated. He denied the Lord. But he didn't run away from God. He wasn't so ashamed. That he ran from God. In fact later on. When Jesus appears after the resurrection. And this is not the first time. He's appeared to Peter. But the first time they really have the opportunity. To talk about this relationship problem. They've got. And Uh, Peter actually jumps out of a boat, swims in his clothes over to meet Jesus on the shore. He doesn't run from God. He runs to God. He doesn't run from Jesus. He runs to Jesus. And he's forgiven and reinstated. And Jesus says again to Peter, follow me. And Peter's back in. When we fall, when we fail, don't run from God, run to God. Even if in your despair you've denied the Lord. If there was a God, I wouldn't be going through this. This is ridiculous. Even if in your despair you've denied the Lord. Even if you fell into a very unhealthy coping mechanism and you're embarrassed. Run to God. Not away and you'll be forgiven. Step two for Peter. He tarried. It's kind of a Bible word for he waited. He stayed. Another time when Jesus appears after his resurrection to the apostles, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, says this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Peter is there and he, he doesn't go anywhere. He stays in Jerusalem. He waits. And Jesus says, you're going to receive this gift in a few days. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Peter waited for this gift. 
He stayed with the disciples. He followed the Lord's command to wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. So if you have not been able to grab hold of the peace of God, step one is run to God, don't run away. Step two is stay with God. Stay in prayer, stay worshiping God, stay seeking the Spirit of God, continue in seeking the peace of God. Don't wander away, abide in the vine. And step three, Peter received. So Peter was reinstated, he ran to God. Peter tarried, he stayed with God. And step three, Peter received from God. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So they were waiting like they were supposed to. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Fantastic miracle that happened on the day of Pentecost. This is less than two months after Peter has denied the Lord. Less than two months. Now Peter, filled with the Spirit, speaks to the masses. He speaks to the crowds in Jerusalem and he proclaims that Jesus is the Christ and he says, and you guys are the ones that crucified him, but he is Lord in Christ and They are all cut to the heart and 3,000 people are led to faith in Jesus right there because Peter stands up boldly and preaches to these people that less than two months ago he was so scared of that he was denying the Lord. Something changed inside of him. And there's two big deal things. He saw the resurrected Christ, so he found out death had no mastery over him. And he was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And he overcame his fear of people and he spoke to the masses. You think he was afraid when he spoke on the day of Pentecost? I think he was like, let me tell you what's going on here. I think he was excited to do it. I don't think he was shaking and overcoming it. I think he was just ready. Now, it may not look like that for you. It may not be the same scenario where there's this huge miracle and then you speak to masses of people. For me... Let me just tell you a quick story. I've said this before, but uh, I grew up not being able to read. And that's a tough thing. You know, if you've, if you've uh, had experiences without being able to read, you know, in, in third grade, my teacher made me stay in from recess because she found out I couldn't write my name. She made me write my name a hundred times in recess. And uh, I could write Mike, but that was it. I couldn't do anything else. And so she made me write my Mike Stevens. And, uh, and then uh, one time... You know, they, you go around the room and you have to read stuff. Everybody has their sentence. I don't know what I was doing in class, but I was in class because they didn't, they didn't put me in regular class till sixth grade after they found that stuff out. But somehow I was there and uh, I got this sentence that was ridiculous. Everybody had these easy sentences, you know, and then I get this sentence. The first word, I don't, I don't think it was English. And it was this word. It started with a T, which I had been studying up. So I know T is a T sound. Then there was an H and H is a H sound. And then there was an E, which is an eh sound. And then that was it. I'm like, to eh. To eh. Say it fast. That's how they did it on Sesame Street. To eh. To I'm like, this is not a word. This isn't English. What is this thing? And then the teacher told me, so then I said it. And then I got the next two words. And then there it was again. And by then I'd forgotten what the teacher said. I'm like, oh, crud. It was an unpleasant experience to have to have people watch me not be able to do things that everyone else could do easily. That was hard. 
What's my job? I am not scared to read the scriptures out loud to people. I'm not nervous about it. It is a joy to me to be able to read the truths of God and have people listen. Something that was hard, that robbed me of peace, that built anger inside of me, has been redeemed by God, and now I get to face that fear in God's overcoming power and joy. And this is what God does for us. It may look different from one person to another, but we can, over time, overcome and receive the peace of God. With all of who I am, I want you to have peace in your heart. In a group like this, I always think how much fear, anxiety, dread, depression, anguish, hurt, and pain is represented. And I'm not so naive as to think that there isn't much. There's a lot. If I could give you God's peace, oh, that would be a beautiful thing. But you have to go to the source and receive it yourself. I want to read from Philippians 4. This will be our closing section of Scripture. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Meaning it will guard, the peace of God will guard your emotions and your thoughts. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned. So the Apostle Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, thank you for sending some resources to me while I'm in prison. So Paul was in prison. They sent some some money and food and whatever they sent to take care of him. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content when I'm hungry. I can see the good in other people. I can rejoice in difficult circumstances. I can have peace that transcends all understanding. I think the primary mistake that Christians make when they read Philippians 4.13 is that they think I can do everything if I just try hard enough. If I just know I'm supposed to, so then I just go ahead and do it. Through Him who gives me strength. We must connect with God and receive the strength of God or we're going on our own strength. And that doesn't work. So let's go to God. Let's seek God's peace together. Let's seek the strength of God together. So Heavenly Father, we just thank You. We thank You that when we run to You, that You do not reject us, 
that when Peter jumped out of the boat and swam to you after denying you, that you reinstated him, you recalled him, you forgave him, and you do the same for us. Lord, let us run to you, and then let us stay with you. And Lord, as we stay with you, let us receive good things from you. We ask you for your strength. We ask you for your peace. Lord, I pray that your peace that passes all understanding would fall upon each one of us right now. Lord, that anxiety, that shame, that fear, that dread would just melt away and that your peace would come in. Lord, that we would have faith in you that even if we don't understand that it's going to be okay because you are on our side. And if you are for us, who can be against us? Father, open our hearts that we can receive. Open our hearts that we can be filled with love. Open our hearts that we can be filled with joy. Open our hearts that we can have peace. In Jesus' name, amen.